Welcome to the See My Grief podcast, a Conversations with Kelly production. I'm your host, Kelly Grosslogs, and I want to welcome you to this community where my intention is for those that listen can experience healing, safety, hope, and possibility. This is a space where all grief matters. I want you to feel seen and heard and embraced. To all of you, welcome. Well, what an honor to be able to talk to my dear friend and colleague, Brian Pyatt. And for those of you that don't know Brian, I'll let him introduce himself a little bit, but we are going to be merging our two podcasts for this episode. And as you know, the See My Grief is often about end of life, grief, anything that people suffer with. And Brian's beautiful podcast, which is titled Take What Serves and Leaves the Rest, focuses a lot on mental health. I actually asked Brian, and he was courageous enough to agree to do this podcast, which is about having Brian talk to his younger self, and which all of us have this inner little, this inner child, and how we talk to that child is very important. But so much of what we've learned along the bumpy way, and if we could go back and talk to them. So, hello, Brian. Hi, friends. I'm welcoming you to your own podcast. I know, this is awesome. And for those that are listening to the first time to our podcast and that don't necessarily know your story, and why would it be important for you to talk to your younger self, can mm-hmm. you tell us a little bit about what that younger self went through? Yeah. You know, it's there, there's so many moments that go into anybody's childhood, including mine. And a lot of them were incredibly beautiful and amazing and wonderful. And I look back at being a kid and there's a lot of wonderful memories. And there's also some stuff that was really hard when it comes to struggling with anxiety and kind of always being consumed with a lot of anxious thoughts in particular. I had an experience when I was in middle school where I was sitting in the lunchroom at Agassiz Middle School in Fargo, North Dakota, not long after I had um, not long after I had moved actually from Denver, which is where I grew up, to Fargo. So it was kind of in the midst right after a really big change. And I had this experience where I was sitting there and just completely was overtaken with this feeling of being really detached from my body and kind of feeling like I wasn't real. And I felt like all of a sudden I was living in this dreamlike state and I could hear all the, the noise of the lunchroom around me. And yet I was kind of really, really shaken to my core of like, what is going on? I'd had like little moments where I had felt that sensation up until that point, but it was always pretty fleeting. And it was something about that moment. It just took hold in a huge way. Well, and how scary you were 12? 12 years old, sixth grade. Yeah. That's a hard time at best. Yeah. And so to have that experience, did you feel like, do you remember the noise in the lunchroom Mm -hmm. and all that? Did it, did it feel muffled or? Yeah, I kind of just remember, I mean, 
the, the lunchroom in and of itself is just always kind of a scary thing. I feel like for kids, I still, I still feel that reaction actually when I go back into lunchrooms and cafeterias. Absolutely. But, um, it's almost like I could remember kind of like other people sitting at the table and me trying to kind of play it cool. Like I, like, okay, I'm, I'm trying to project this image that I'm good and I'm fine. But like internally, I'm just like, what is going on? And, you know, it wouldn't be until many, many years later, really into college that I started to hear about like this thing called depersonalization and derealization and anxiety where it was like, helping me understand like, oh, my body was in like this extreme kind of fight or flight moment or, you know, or it it kind of like was trying to protect me in a very interesting way, but it didn't, it felt anything but protective at the time. It felt really, really scary. And so I kind of like to answer your question, I guess it just, yeah, I just remember the moment feeling very scary. And then then everything kind of gets really hazy after that. Okay. I was going to ask, do you remember the hours after that what were you like did you just kind of shut down yeah I don't have a lot of memories of what happened right after and I've thought about that a lot I'm like what did I do did I just like I probably just went back to my classroom Mm -hmm. and tried to kind of go about my day It, it actually feels like the most vivid memory that I have after that was I think in the days after, I remember going to the mall in Fargo. Oh, dear. And just being like, what is going on with me? Like, I could feel it. And and I could have that same, that same feeling of being really kind of spacey and like I was in a dream. And I, I think the best way to describe it is it just felt like all of a sudden my whole world became about checking and being really hyper aware in my mind of, is that scary feeling there or not? Oh, that is. And then probably not having the words to explain it to anybody and thinking something's wrong and people first listening go back because you do have some podcasts right where you talk about talking to your mom and dad going to the doctor yeah so when we talk about and i know you and i both resonate with this feeling of we are a collective person to the age we are today we are a collective age that we've been. Mm -hmm. So our one-year-old's in there, our 14-year-old's in there, your 12-year-old's in there, your 22-year-old's in there. And the way we would talk to a younger person is often different than the way we talk to ourselves as an adult, right? Yeah. So when you think about that fear, because so many people listening to this can relate to that fear, whether it's from a panic attack, a diagnosis, a loss, now they're alone. What the Brian that is sitting here today, go back to that moment in that lunchroom. Mm-hmm. What are some things that you've learned along this way that you maybe would say to him now that you didn't have the ability at that time? Yeah, I mean, what I've, what I would say is, I think, first of all, letting him know that he's safe. Yes. Huge. I think would have been really, really, really important in that moment because my mind was telling me a lot of really scary things about what was going on. You know, you must be going, you must be losing your mind. You're, you're going to, you're going you're gonna to pass out in front of everybody. You, you must have a brain tumor. There must be something terribly wrong here because this just doesn't feel right. You know, I've learned a lot about how to manage that feeling 
that I would want to tell him, you know, just things about like allowing it, you know, and, and the more that I try to fight and get that feeling to go away, the stronger it's going to become. Because the wild thing, Kelly, is that sitting here right now, I feel that exact feeling in many ways of what I felt back then. Like it's, it still is, it's primal. It's, it still shows up in me all yeah. the time when I start to give it attention. And yet there's just more tools, right, of how to kind of work with it. So if you say to your younger self, I'm safe, mm-hmm. or if you'd say you are safe, have you tried that on as an adult? Do you say to yourself when you're feeling that, that you are safe? Have you been able to say that to you? Yeah, I because try. that's such a beautiful thing. I mean, that safety part is so it, big, oh, right? Huge. And when people are listening and they say, how do I support my son who's going through this? Or how do I? Yeah. That's one of our things is that you are safe. Yeah. And if people don't feel safe, we'll do what we need to do to get you safe. Yeah. And I think, too, another big thing in all of this is that I wish I would tell him that it's okay, too, to be scared. It's, it's okay that this feels scary. Like, lean into somebody. Lean into people, lean into people, right? I mean, and that's a reoccurring theme in my life is learning how to lean into other people. And I tend to, when I start to feel really scary things internally, I, I would, you know, the kind of the, the automatic reaction with me seems to always be withdraw. And yet what I need the most is to lean in. And so that would have been, what, what I know thinking back to that moment is that it would have been a, really really a game changer for me if i had walked to the to the nurse's office or or walked somewhere and told somebody what i was feeling and somebody had said to me let's talk about anxiety yes. or let's talk about mental health or let's like for mm-hmm. somebody to have introduced that to me at that age would have been i think often about how much different it, it, it could have been in that moment because i i literally had no idea what i was experiencing And for a long time, didn't know what I was experiencing. And so that is, that's something that I wish I had been told at that age. So that's a beautiful learning for people listening. Yeah. And it really is, we are seeing anxiety show up a lot younger in kids now. Mm -hmm. It's okay to call it that. Right. It's okay to call it grief. It's okay to call it death. It's these, these big scary things because you are beautifully showing to us that if little Brian would have had a name for what was going on, he then didn't have to go down the path of this is a brain tumor yeah, and all these other, I mean, anxiety is scary, but you went down an even scarier path in a lot of ways. And when we as humans have a name for something, right? So you would have given him reassurance that he was safe and you would have called it, you would have named it. Yes. For him, which is, I think, such a beautiful thing we can do for kids and for even adults is to help them name something that they're going through. And I, yes. And because I think I've thought about this a lot. I think there's a fear 
and I understand it. There's a fear out there around naming things because we don't want people to feel like we're labeling them with something and that like your, your anxiety or your depression or your OCD or like, you know, whatever it is. But I think what gets sometimes missed is that there's actually great power in, in the naming of it because it's like, oh, it's like this thing that I'm experiencing and it helps me understand why I'm experiencing what I'm experiencing. And I think sometimes I, I just think that that's, that's something that I know in my journey has been really helpful to, to name and own and be like, this is a thing that is hard for me. And this kind of explains a little bit why it's hard for me. Yeah. And do you find that, because I also find this thing with human beings that when we, we name something and then we share it, those that also experience it mm -hmm. find us somehow. Absolutely. And sharing it lessens the burden, right? I mean, it, it, it's like allowing someone to hear it and hold it with you. Can you imagine your little guy at 12, if another friend sitting there would have said to you, that happened to me once, Brian, and all of a sudden you're not alone in this and we're calling it something because I, I agree with you and I, I appreciate you bringing up the labeling part. Well, even the word label gets a bad rap, right, right. right? And so what we want to talk about today is just naming it, which is also slash honoring it. Yeah, it's like a... Because I think sometimes, I don't know, I think sometimes people, I don't know, like if I come to you and I say, man, I'm really struggling with anxiety today, or I'm really in my head, and there's a dismissal of that, it starts to feel like, well, what's wrong with me that this is so hard? You know? I don't know. I had this really beautiful way that I was going to verbalize this, and now in the moment I can't do it. But well, I think um, you're doing beautiful, and come back to it if it comes If it comes back. up, yeah. Yeah. That's a whole other, we'll do a whole other podcast about we will. naming and See, we're just honoring done. and you're just keeping we're us, just building you're content just keeping, right now. You're just keeping <laughs> us here on, our, on the edge of our seats. You know, what I was going to say is you bring up a really good point about this dismissal. And I think that comes externally, but I often see it coming internally from people. Yeah. So that kind of, and there's various reasons why people do this, right? Like, no, 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 it's not that bad. It's not that bad. And part of it is us people pleasing and taking care of others or we don't want the focus on us but i'm hoping because what you if you anytime you tell your story you obviously get this response from people like oh how scary as a 12 year old and and people really join you in that and empathically join you my hope is that people can start naming it empathically for themselves yes. and not diminishing it for themselves and not yeah. Saying, well, someone else has it worse, or at least it's not this. I think both are true. I think sometimes people do, their stories can feel harder to us. And at the same time, ours is really hard because we're living it. Mm -hmm. You know, because I've heard people talk about things and they'll say, well, at least this isn't cancer. Well, at least this isn't, you know, heart disease. Yet, and it still is very, very hard. So another thing I would love to go back and tell our younger selves is exactly what you just said, which I think is so beautiful. It's okay to be scared. Yeah. And I would take it a step further and it's okay to tell me you're scared. It's okay to tell people. I wish I could teach my younger self the power of vulnerability. I really do. I got, when my mom died, I got a lot of, you're so strong. You're such a strong little girl. You're such a, and those internal things that that go yeah. in in other words we're supposed to be this 
I wish we could go back and tell our younger selves that there's a power in being vulnerable and yeah. letting people see what's going on. Yes. It's, it's, we're so programmed to do the opposite. I know. And we don't even have to like, to even say to kids now, like, are you scared? I know. Are you scared? That would have been a game changer for you. That would have oh, been a game been changer huge. for me. It would have been game changer for many of us. But not just letting them go yes or no. But how does that feel in your body? What does it's, that feel that's like? Exactly right. What does that feel like to tell me that? Now, how are you feeling after we've talked about it? All these beautiful things. We I wish we could all go back and talk to her. Well, because I because I think been working a lot in my own. A lot of the work for me lately, personally, has been like I love the word embodied right now. Like that's like just it. it just I, I'm I'm so. I feel like I'm at this point and we, as we all are right, like this journey back to my body and feels like that's where we all start as little babies. And, you know, I look at, um, I mean, I even, I look at myself as a kid. I, I love to dance and I love to like be in my body in that way. And, and I was so tapped into that inner, that just inner joy, that childlike joy within myself. And then I can just start to see that over the years, it was like slowly and slowly and slowly. I almost like drifted more and more up into my head, you know, and it was like this like journey of up and up and up into my head. I go and I'm trying to control it in my mind. And now it's like, okay, how do I get myself a little bit more down into my body now? And so like, you know, I think that's what a gift you can give. I wish I could have given to my younger self in that moment would have been like in that moment in that, in that lunchroom, what I didn't need to do there was jump up into my mind and try to figure out mm -hmm. what's going on and all the scary stories I was telling myself about that. I needed to like cry into the arms of yes. somebody who could hold me and tell me I'm going to be okay. And I think that's actually what most of us need most of the time, right? Is like just the expression of the emotions that are in the body, not the story, not getting sucked into the stories of what our minds are telling us about our, our bodily experience. beautiful gift that would be to a child to say that, okay, maybe words aren't, because some kids don't have, you didn't have at 12 to explain this, but maybe you could have danced it out. Maybe you could have drawn it out. Maybe you could have screamed it out. Maybe you could have cried it out. And to also say to our younger selves, there's more ways to do this. And I, and you know, we feel silly doing something. We feel silly screaming. We feel silly dancing. We, we are programmed to be inhibited. I know. As adults. Just so silly. It is, which it is, which it is. And so to go back again to that younger child and allow and give permission and encourage, actually encourage. Yes. And wouldn't that be incredible? Even though the body sometimes is the scariest place for some when you're for feeling some, yeah. that yeah. those feelings. But it's also if your body is where you're hurting, then you have to be in your body to heal. Right, you can't heal your body and your mind. I mean, I just—I know they're connected, but you have to be in it, yeah, to heal it. And it's—and I'm even noticing now as I, 
as I say this, I'm, uh, we were just talking about my, my psychophysiology class where I'm in grad school right now. And I, it, it's been this whole thing of, oh my God, the brain and the body, like it truly is one thing. It truly is. And I've always, it's like, I've known that, but like, as I've really dove into this, I'm like, it is all the same thing. And that's really helped. So even saying the journey back to, from the head to the, from the, like the mind to the body, I mean, it's all the same thing, but it's the power is in reconnecting to our body. I, I really do think that's where so much of our freedom lies is when we can just get more into those spaces. Well, and what would you say to your younger self about appreciating his body and honoring his body? Because there's so many people that have body issues that when we talk about being in your body, they don't want to be in their body because they don't like their body, right? So what would you say about the mind body connection to your younger person or what what would you what would you remind him how would you give him safety or love around his body what would you say to him cuz of course we have we all have hangups about our body there is right now. i mean we're too tall we're too short we're too this we're too thin we're too fat we're too our hair is or whatever i mean we just go on and on and i think that little person is listening for sure. And my story all the time growing up was you're too skinny. And I don't know where, I mean, I am a skin. I mean, I, I always was more of a skinnier person growing up and yet, which didn't always fit the narrative, right? Of what a guy is supposed to be, right? You're supposed to have muscles and all that kind of thing. But yeah, I mean, I remember growing up, I was always so scared to take my shirt off at the pool and that still comes up for me often, you know, that, it's amazing how things that happen when you're young stay with you. It's um, amazing you're doing this podcast without your shirt on. <laughs> yeah, I am. I, am I, I didn't think you were going to tell everybody that I was, I'm sorry, that I was Brian, totally I shirtless. <laughs> I shouldn't have told them. <laughs> I've been flexing the whole time, though, <laughs> I just know, to make I'm sure like, it looks okay. What's he talking okay. about? He's got a great physique. <laughs> um, but it's, I mean, as as cheesy as it all sounds, right? Like, we just need to remind our younger selves that, I mean, however you are is more than enough. Like I, I often say our innate worthiness is never up for just for debate, you know? And, and I really do believe that like we can, you know, we can go in and dive into parts of ourselves that we struggle with and, and, you know, and do the work of healing. And yet I think at the baseline of all of that work, there has to be this belief that your innate worthiness is not up for discussion. Like that is, that is just something that is there within everybody, no matter what. Can you imagine if someone told us that as a teenager? Right. I mean, truly, because that is not the that's not the messages teenagers are getting today. I, know. I mean, especially ones that are struggling, they're getting a lot of you're this, you're that, you're an inconvenience, you're yeah. in trouble, you're broken, you're whatever. I know. But can you imagine going back and telling him that his worthiness is not up for discussion and that he's very worthy, and even with the obsessive thoughts, even with the intrusive thoughts, even with the depersonalization, with all of that, you remain worthy. One does not cancel out the other. And I think that's such a beautiful message you're giving us today. Because, you know, whatever people that are listening with are trying to maneuver and, and heal, replace it with depersonalization or anxiety, whatever it is, I do think that that the lessons you're teaching us, Brian, are applicable. 
I, I mean it. I mean, it's just, I don't, I don't care what thought is going through your mind right now as you listen to this. I don't care what emotion you're feeling in your body. I don't care what you've done. I don't, I really don't. It is, you are innately worthy just as you are, you know? I mean, like that, that is the foundation, I think, of where I, not even I think, I know that that's the foundation of how I operate from. And, and I'm trying to implement implement that the best I can within myself. And that's a lesson that is um, a daily journey because the mind can be really convincing. I think you are so courageous and I think it takes a, a form of bravery to tell your story. So thank you. I know it kind of becomes commonplace for us. Sometimes, you know, we just tell our story. How many interviews have people asked us and we just tell our story? I think it's incredible. And another thing that I've noticed with <laughs> well, I'm sure everybody can hear Monty back here. Yeah, he's, he's starting to get. He's but you know what? Play. He's still worthy, even though even is if he, he, even, is he, he though, even if he's irritating you in this moment, he's <laughs> yes, he still is. worthy. Monty, you're worthy. <laughs> I'm saying this to your younger self. You're worthy. Yeah. Um, he is. I love these dogs so much. But this is just they've actually been better. Quote yeah, unquote, they have been for a little yours. bit a little bit calmer this episode. Um, I think it's so beautiful that you're being vulnerable enough because sometimes there's a disconnect of what we say and what we do. And I think one of your things and that we talked about is going back and then reassuring your younger self you're safe and it's okay to be scared. It's okay to tell me you're scared. And I've noticed lately you've been doing that more as an adult, saying those things. And Brian, that's just so beautiful. Like I'm so proud of you that you are aligning with what you've learned and what you've said. And one of the things I would love to hear as a younger person going through all the muck is that I am not going to leave you. Mm. I am going to be here. I Somebody, you yeah. know, is yeah. I am going to be here with you while you go through all of this. I am not going to leave you. Because that's one of the fears that younger people have, or anybody has for that matter, in disclosing some of these vulnerable things yeah. is that people are going to leave. And for you to go back to 12-year-old Brian, just say, I'm going to be right here with you. I'm going to be with you every spacey feeling you have, every intrusive thought you have. I'm not leaving you. Mm. And there is a power in that. Even when you want to pull away, we must not abandon ourselves. So as we're wrapping up, I, I feel like we could just, there's so many more questions I have about this, particularly because you've, you have evolved so much from sharing your story um, that I've witnessed in the last four years that there's just so many other lessons, but we can do this again. We can. Because I think there's more that people are going to be hungry to hear and want to know. Can you talk, as we end, can you talk about the thing that was the most helpful for you? when you look back at that time, when it, once you, you know, things finally, what was the most helpful? Mm -hmm. We talked a lot about what wasn't, but. Yeah. You know, I think what comes to mind right away, honestly, is the deep understanding that I kind of experienced during that time of what I'm capable of getting through. Mm-hmm. You know, and and like how many moments, especially during that period of my life, I was like, I don't know what's going on with me. I don't know how I'm going to 
I have to go to school today and I have to feel this way. And yet like I would, I, I got through it, you know? That is so beautiful. Like I got through it and I, and I still to this day, and I'm sure a lot of people out there listening to this who struggle with any kind of mental health stuff know what that can feel like sometimes in the morning when you wake up and you're like, how the hell am I going to get through today? Because the way I feel right now, I don't know how this is going to play out. Um, and yet somehow I always find a way. And what a beautiful reminder yeah. to remind our people when they're going through hard, that they've been through hard. I also think, isn't it beautiful when you look back on that little one or that younger one, as you describe him, you have zero judgment. Mm-hmm. You have zero shaming in your voice. It's mm-hmm. it's beautiful. I don't know if mm-hmm. you've ever noticed that, but as you say it, there's this compassionate, empathic way in which you say it. It wasn't this, oh my gosh, he was this and that. It was just, there's almost this compassion for our story when we tell it in retrospect. For sure. And I think that's important for all of us to kind of pause today, think about what we've been through, and that every time we've gone through something, we embody uh, to use your word, we embody yeah. those skills within us and the body keeps the score, but it also remembers what helped us. For sure. And it will rely on that. You say something in your breath work that I think is a beautiful thing to talk about, and that is our heart mm-hmm. has beat it, has beat through every difficult, yeah. joyful, angry, every moment with us, it has beat with us. And I think the heart that's beating in our chest today is the same heart that was beating when you were 12 and when you were scared. And I think you do, we talk about that just a little bit as we're ending, that Mm -hmm. kind of visual that you do with people because it's so, I love it. Like I was just at your breath work the other night and I'm like, I hope he's going to say this. I hope he's going to say this (laughs) because it is just so affirming. Yeah, it. um, I love that you like that. Oh my gosh, I, I love it. Oftentimes, you know, when I'm done throughout certain points of, teaching breath work, I always try to have people put their hands on their hearts, whether it's at the beginning or the end of practice, it's usually both. And yeah, I don't know, like one day it just kind of came to me. I was like, we're sitting here holding our heartbeat in our hands. And this is the exact same energy within our heart that has been with us every step of the way through every tough time, every moment of joy and everything in between. Like, like, like this thing has been right there with us every step of the way and it will continue to be there. And so I think sometimes when like, you know, the mind is a scary ass place for me sometimes to go to. And so getting lost in there usually just leads me around and around and around. And yet if I can tap into my heart, it's like that has been, that's the steadiness that's been with me every step of the way and has been with all of us. And I think there's something really beautiful about just grounding into that at certain points throughout the day. Well, and your heart is so beautiful, Brian. And I I do hope we can do this again because I'm already thinking of lots of things I didn't ask you about. So if you summed up in the next 30 seconds the top three things you tell your younger self, what would they be mm-hmm. from this conversation? <sighs> um, you're more resilient than you know. The thought and the emotion will pass. Nothing is permanent. It's all temporary. And it's okay to feel what's there. Mm. Well, I will take those. 
and use them in my adult life. But imagine a scared child hearing that. How beautiful. So thank you, dear friend. Thank you, friend. This was this, this was, was beautiful. So, this makes me actually like doing podcasts. <laughs> Which for those of you that yeah. Anyway, so it it's um what a joy. And when you're sitting and connected with somebody in mm. that heart space, right? Mm-hmm. And that why do we do podcasts? We do podcasts so that people feel less alone. For sure. And I know that what you're sharing today, it certainly has resonated with me. I know that it will resonate with many. And if you get nothing else out of this, put your hands over your heart. Yes. And remember Brian's words, that that heart has has gotten you through times of joy, times of sorrow, times of grief, times of fear. Mm-hmm. And it continues to beat. It will continue. Yeah. So thank you. Thanks, friend. Thank you for listening to the See My Grief podcast. It is my hope that this episode resonated for you on some level and that you feel less alone, more hopeful, and gained insight. These episodes are not to be seen as a substitute for medical attention or psychological treatment. Please see your licensed providers for individual needs. Thank you so much for sharing and subscribing to this podcast so that we can continue to grow our sacred community. I will talk with you next time, friends, and please know this, I see your grief.